You know, one of the greatest challenges, I believe, for Christ followers is to live each day with eternity as the backdrop. Think about it. I think one of the greatest challenges we face is having an eternal perspective on how we do life and how we go about uh, making decisions in our life day in and day out. Life is not about accumulating money, power, fame, notoriety, but yet our culture says it is. True life is not about accumulating that. It's about accomplishing the purposes that God has set before us. True life is about glorifying Jesus in all we do and say. Honestly, true life experienced to the full is living with an eternal backdrop, eternity as the backdrop, saying, I'm not going to be here forever. David Crowder, I've listened to Crowder over the years, him and Tomlin and Third Day and these guys, but Crowder has a song, and in that song, the lyrics read, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And that's where we find ourselves kind of in this struggle at times, right? We want to go to heaven. You can ask the majority of people whether they go to church or no matter how they're doing life every day, you ask them, hey, where do you think you're going to spend eternity? Well, I hope I go to heaven. But even as people talk about that and consider that, nobody wants to talk about dying. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, great text. It says this, uh, through one man, through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. Adam sinned, the Adamic nature, the bloodline, we all are the offspring of it. He says, and so death spread to all men that all have sinned. Reality is, I sit and I stand here today amongst all of you who are sitting there, and I'm sitting and looking, contemplating that each and every person in this room will eventually die. Nobody wants to talk about dying. Nobody wants to talk about uh, being dead, getting dead, or whatever all that looks like. But reality is, it's going to happen to each and every one of us. And as we contemplate this whole series on suffering, I thought it would be very powerful to look at death. Death cannot be avoided. We live in a culture right now that spends billions of dollars on vitamins, skin creams, facelifts, Botox, liposuction, and your face may look tighter, and you may suck some of that fat out of your gut, but reality is it's appointed to man to die. Think about it. I mean, come on, that's the society in which we live. We're an image-driven society. We love people acknowledging what we look like on the external. I was talking to a guy the other day, and I said, why is it that you spend so much time looking at the physical? Occasionally, you'll go, does she have a brain, mentally? Spiritually, uh, we're not even going there. Guys get so enamored with what somebody looks like on the outside. That's our culture. Reality is, we should say, where are they at spiritually? Do they have a brain? Then what do they look like? But we spend so much time applauding the external. Listen to this right here, Psalm chapter 90. As for our days on this planet, they contain maybe 70 years. If due to strength, maybe 80. For soon it is gone and we fly away. 
We can improve the quality of our days. If we eat right, we've been looking at scripture that says you've been bought with a price, glorify God with your body. If we eat right, if we exercise, if we get enough rest, we go, I can improve the quality of my life, but even the psalm says you get about 70 to 80 years, that's the average. I know you won the race. You're not going to live forever. I'm not stupid, Lucius. No one lives forever. No one. But with uh, advances in modern science, my high level of income, I mean, it's not crazy to think I can't live to be 245, maybe 300. Heck, I just read in the newspaper they put a pig heart in some guy from Russia. You know what? I mean, you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. I guess longer life. Well, no, he didn't live. Oh, he didn't live? No. Oh. It's just okay. exciting that we're trying things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of Talladega Night fans sitting out here right now, right? A lot of Ricky Bobby fans. But reality is, think about it. The greatest doctors have explored the human body. Some of the most sophisticated minds work in hospitals around the world. Transplants, bypass surgeries, all of this incredible advancement in medicine and yet we're faced with the reality daily that we're going to die. You can't stop it. You can speed it up, but you can't stop it. Foxworthy years ago looked at me and said, you know what a redneck's favorite last words are, don't you? Y'all watch this. And I'm like, that's the famous last words. But reality is you can speed up your death, but you can't, you can't stop it. And... Uh, with all the medicine, with all of the breakthroughs, with all of the technologies, I'm into juicing. Oh, we got our juicer, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm making sure I get some aminos in my system every day. I'm trying to supplement with the right protein shakes. I'm trying to work out and stay somewhat fit. But reality is, I still look going, dude, you're going to get about 70 to 80 years and God's going to say, give me back my breath, and it's over. And you kind of get the feeling, no matter what we do, that we're not going to be able to beat the system. Anybody there? We're not going to be able to totally beat the system. Psalm 39, verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end. What is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. What does that mean? It means to live, to live each day with eternity as the backdrop. If we ever really understood the depravity of our soul and the brevity of our life, I believe it would change everything we do in life. If we ever just stopped and pondered depravity, brevity, humanity, I'm not going to be here forever, I think it would change the way we did life. We live in this society where we have this illusion of permanence. I, I, I'm going to live forever. Uh, I, I'm never going to die. I remember back in the uh, 80s when Lynn Bias was drafted out of Maryland, and I thought, man, he's one of my favorite basketball players. A few days later, he ODs, and he dies of coke at 21. But the mindset was, I'm invincible. That won't happen to me. My teammate Ken Caminetti, same thing, 41. ODs, that, that's not going to happen to me. That will happen to somebody else, but not, not me. 
And reality is we're faced with it every day. Some of it is self-inflicted. Other times, just tragedy happens. And if we never stop and ponder the brevity of life and our own depravity, we're, we're missing out on living life to the full. We've got to consider, what am I doing? Because I was thinking, would we spend so much time pursuing and acquiring wealth if we really understood our brevity of life? Would we spend so much time elevating self, posting selfies, all our digme statements trying to get people to like us if we understood the brevity of life, if we were truly living with eternity as the backdrop? We're not going to be here forever. James chapter 4 says, you do not, you do not know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. You're, you're a vapor that appears for a short period of time and then you vanish. We're going to start a series, Rick, here in uh, June on going through the book of Ecclesiastes in June and July. And Solomon repeatedly, Solomon, this wise dude, repeatedly comes to the conclusion, vanity of vanities, all is vain. The word vanity and the word vapor are very similar, which means it's, you're not lasting that long, homie. You're not going to be here forever. And, and you're going to vanish here before long. What are you doing with your dash? And what are you doing with the breath that God has given us? To number our days means to realize I've got a set number of days on this planet. But I am eventually going to a place, eternity, where my days are number less. So I want to live every day with eternity as the backdrop, realizing that at any moment I will... I could stand before my God and have to give an account for the way I've lived my life. And it's appointed to man to die and then stand before God. So here's what I know when you start thinking about death and, and bringing the topic of death up to people. The majority of us in here do not want to talk about it. The majority of us in here do not want to contemplate it. I remember a few years back looking at my dad. And my dad's health is failing. I've shared that with you guys. But I was talking to my dad, and I said, how do you want your funeral done? He goes, I don't want to talk about it. What do you mean you don't want to talk about it? How do you want it done? So I sent Nick Slade this past week. I said, hey, I, I, here's my funeral outline on how I want it done. Well, if I'm not mistaken, they say when you die, it's your funeral. So I might as well tell you how I want my funeral done. Ain't <laughs> no sense in leaving for somebody else to figure out. So here's the way I want it done. Well, I wrote it out the first time about 18 years ago. I was sitting there thinking about, I'm not going to live forever. I've got an expiration date written within the genes of who I am. So I wrote this out, Jesse. Here's the way I want it done. And about every five years, I pull up Tim Cash, my personal folder, and I go back in and revisit, uh, is there anything I want to tweak in there? Have you ever done that? How many of y'all... You've written out your funeral the way you want it done. Let me see by a show of hands. Okay, so the other 99.8% are scared to talk about this topic today. <laughs> we're going to die, right? We're not going to live forever, and we've got to make sure that we're <laughs> prepared. Now, I told you, a lot of us go, I'm not afraid of being dead. I'm just afraid of getting dead. I get that one too. I just, that, that getting dead is a head scratcher, Right? Because we realize when we start to think about that, that it's a reality. I, I, my son Benji, he, he's like, oh my God, I hate going to funerals. I, 
don't know anybody that really enjoys going to them except the dude's getting paid down at the funeral home. He's making some glue off of it, so I think he's all right with it. But the, the reason a lot of people don't like going to funerals, it's not that you're having to stop to remember the deceased. It's that you're really having to pause to deal with the reality that you're going to die. I don't like going to them. Why? And we've done a lot of funerals over the years. And we realize there's a pain of separation. And there's this pain of having to leave loved ones behind. And, and we realize that it hurts. It hurts big time. But we also realize it's unavoidable. And so the more we try to ignore or avoid talking about what we know is a reality is foolish, it really is. We got word a few weeks back. I was out in Dallas, and Barb calls me, and she says, John, John's my neighbor. She said, I just got word that John's got pancreatic cancer. And I said, are you serious? I was just talking to him last week. He and I were outside just kind of talking, hanging out. We've been neighbors for 20 years. Great friendship, great relationship. And I'm like, wow. And his daughter said, you know, just be praying. It's really hard. They just got the word the day before, and we're trying to process it. So I gave it a couple of weeks. I'm like, I want to give him some time to kind of just breathe through it. And I rang the doorbell Friday night at 530, go over to see him. He's like, how'd you find out? He's crying. Tears are flowing down his face. He doesn't want to die. He's 66 years old, healthy, good-looking guy. Awesome, dude. Great family, everything. But I'm, I'm sitting there and he goes, I don't want to leave her. I don't want to leave my five kids. I don't want to leave my 13 grandkids. And then he said this. He said, Tim, even if God were to provide a miracle for me, I'm still going to die. Eventually. You are. And it's painful because this guy is contemplating his brevity. And he's asking an oncologist, based on my condition, how many people have you seen beat it? They're like, well, over a thousand people we work with, with the kind of cancer you've got, I can count on one hand how many has beat it. So he sits there and he goes, my odds are not looking good, but I'm at peace with Christ. I know where I'm going, but I really don't want to leave. But you still got to talk about it, Right? You still got to process it, right? You still need to be living every day with eternity as the backdrop. Mark chapter 8 says, what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and loses his soul, forfeits his soul? What, what, what does a man really benefit from if he accumulates all this earthly wealth and fame and notoriety and success, but he hasn't lived with eternity as a backdrop? What, 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 do, you, what do you gain from it? And so I started looking at this, Drew, thinking, why do people struggle with really talking about death? And, and, and four things here. Denial. I'm not going to talk about it. Man, it's not going to happen to me. Well, it's going to happen to me, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. So I just don't want to talk about it. I, I don't want it to happen. So if I don't want it to happen, if I don't talk about it happening, then maybe it won't happen. You ever been there into the reasoning of it? So we just suppress it. We suppress feelings. And I was talking to 
one of our staff guys who's had a family member die here recently, and he's like, it was crazy, this external family, when they came together, and nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody even wanted to consider what had really happened. They got together and almost had this big chill party, and just like, hey, let's just listen to some Skinner and Doors and have a few beers and pretend that it didn't happen. I'm like, how's that working for you? I remember seeing the movie Big Chill going, this is a trip, but this is how a lot of people deal with it. Another reason people don't want to talk about death is regrets. I'm telling you, I've got so many regrets. I wish I could go back and have a few mulligans and change some things, and I've got all this guilt and all this shame. I don't want to talk about it. I want to deal with it because there's too much collateral damage that I've created. And so a lot of people, when it comes to contemplating death, they got too many regrets. They're not going to go there. We've done a ton of funerals over the years, people that we loved closely have passed away, and people that we didn't know that well, we've been asked to take part in some of those. It's all over the map, but let me, let me, let me tell you something. The number one emotion that I've dealt with at funerals, for the most part, has been the emotion of guilt. I'm telling you, guilt. You'll see a godly family and people are at peace with Christ and others, and it's like, hallelujah. But some of them, they get together and it's like, man, it's sad. Mama died. And I said, I know it's sad. Hey, my brother and sister, they ain't spoken 30 years. How's that working? 30 years? They ain't talked in 30 years. Maybe good, something good will come out of this right here. Then, then you start talking to people, and they'll look and say, well, I wish I just would have visited them more. I wish I hadn't raised so much hell when I was a teenager and created so much difficulty for them. And so you start to hear people vomit all this guilt and shame around the funeral. Occasionally, you'll, you'll get some that are really positive. Brother loved his wife, loved his family, man, was at peace with God. But one of the biggest emotions you deal with, with people is guilt. Man, I wish I hadn't said some things I said to him. Here, here's another one, lack of preparation. My destination determines my preparation, and a lot of people have not defined where they're ultimately going in life. So when it comes to thinking about death, they go, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Because I haven't established the, the question of destiny in my own soul of making peace with my God. I'm scared to talk about it. I don't have hope of eternity. I don't have hope of assurance. So a lot of people, Mama K, they don't want to talk about it because they ain't made no preparation. They ain't made no preparation. Another one is fear. I'm scared to talk about the unknown. I'm scared to talk about dying. I, I, I just don't, I'm scared. And, and fear keeps a lot of people chained up. If you haven't answered the question regarding death, and if you're not willing to stare it in the face, you're going to be limited with how much abundant life you're able to enjoy every day. Death has to be defeated if I'm going to really be able to understand life. When, when Paul writes, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift in Christ. The sting of death has been removed. I'm like, I've got to know that death is defeated. And death is not the bully that it used to be. As a little boy, I was scared to even think about this. When my buddy David drowned when I was eight years old and I was so scared, I'm like, oh my God, life's not fair. This is not good. 
And Bo died when he was 19, and my buddy Charles died when he was 20, and I saw people around me dying, and I didn't know Christ, and I didn't have hope, and I was scared of it. But once I came to faith in Christ, and I realized Jesus is the resurrection and the life, he's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave in his hand. When I started walking more and more with Jesus, I realized death was inferior Death walks around like Arnold Schwarzenegger, buffed and all stinking tough. But once you unmask him, he looks like Barney Fife with one bullet. Death has been defeated. And if we can ever get our minds wrapped around the fact that God is superior, death cannot have a stronghold on me any longer. But I think a lot of times we float through life and it's like, well, what are you afraid of? Afraid of dying. No, you're not. You're afraid of where you're going to spend your eternity. You're afraid of regrets. You're afraid of not making preparation. You're afraid that to be absent from the body might not be a reality for you to be present with the Lord. I started thinking about it. I was reading this. Listen, listen. Being silent and ignoring or rejecting talking about this topic It's not doing us any good as American people. It's not doing us any good spiritually and relationally and financially. This is crazy. Jim, 80% of Americans do not have their personal affairs in order when they die. 80% do not have their personal affairs in order. My aunt was a pharmaceutical pill addict. When she died, she was broke as a joke. Who had to bury her? All the rest of the family. Do you have any insurance? None. Anything in savings? None. Anything in checking? None. What did she leave? A little vial of about four or five more blue pills in it. That was it. And my dog and her, she was one of my favorite people. I loved her. Zero plan. Zero exit strategy. And I had to do her funeral. And it broke my heart. I'm like, no preparation. The average U.S. funeral right now is anywhere between 10 and 15,000. 10 and 15. I told Barb, I want to be cremated. I can get it done for 1,100. Y'all go to the beach and have fun. Seriously. People go, well, brother, you're a Christian. I don't know about cremation. What, you like the rotting job better? That's what you're going to do. We're all going to the worm buffet one day. I mean, come on. Only about 5% of Americans pre-plan their funeral. Y'all want me to send you what I wrote up? Write your own. This is mine. But I'm like, write it out. How do you want it done? Here's a crazy thing. A legal will will cost you only a few hundred dollars to have. A legal will. If you refuse to put any type of will in place, and I've seen this happen with other people, the cost after the death is thousands of dollars for the left behind. Barb and I just redid our will, Ashley, about six weeks ago. And it's like, all right, you sure you want to be cremated? Fry it up, baby. Yes. I'm checking boxes. 
How do we want this done? Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Insurance, all this other stuff, assets, whatever. 25% has to be used for kingdom advancement. Well, I just don't want my kids to get it all and waste it away. (laughs) Draw up a will where they can't. I heard people say that, Rick. I just don't want my kids wasting all of what I've worked for. Solomon said, you know what's jacked up? Is to work all your life and make all this stuff and die and your kids get it and waste it in a few days. Yeah, they will go to Margaritaville, baby, if you don't have a plan in place. Legal fees? Got to get that one done. Got to check that box. Got to make sure that I'm okay in dying. Chad, I'm telling you, it's huge. And a lot of people, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. And all of a sudden, something tragic happens or something. It can happen to any one of us. We deal with it all the time. Ignoring it ain't going to make it go away. Listen to what Paul says. Listen to this. Paul made this observation in Philippians 1.21. I love this verse. Memorize this verse. Listen to what he said. Paul said, for to me... To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if this is the guy that God used to write the majority of the New Testament, if he can write, for to me, to live is Christ, he would write, I've been crucified with Christ Nevertheless, it's not I that lives. It's now Christ that lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. For to me, to live is Christ. I'm in Christ. I've been sanctified and set apart by Christ. For me to live is Christ. It is, yeah. And to die is gain. I don't know how many of you have thought over the last days, over the last weeks, over the last months, dying is gain. It's like, Paul, how can you have that perspective? When Paul writes this letter to the believers in Philippi, he is chained to a Roman soldier. Paul has been preaching the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Paul, he's not like a drug addict. He's not some thug. Paul has been preaching Christ and Proclaiming the gospel, he's in this rat-infested sewage jail cell. And throughout the letter, he's writing, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentle spirit be made known to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Whatever is pure, right, holy, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. Let your mind dwell on these things. Dude, have you lost your stinking mind? To die is gain. It's not going to bother me. How how can you say dying is gain? How can you keep a perspective of joy in the midst of ruined circumstances? He's like, it's all Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Christ is enough for me. My God's going to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Christ has bought me. Christ owns me. This is not as good as it gets here. I am convinced of that. To die is gain. You say, what do we gain? We gain a new body. You study it. 
I mean, we're going to lay aside the corruptible for the incorruptible. We're going to get a resurrected body. We're going to get a whole body that will never disease and never experience sickness and sorrow. I'm thinking of the old man, my dad. I'm looking at him, and I'm like, ankles are swollen. He can't hardly walk. Diabetes has totally just annihilated him. He falls and breaks his shoulder. He's in a sling. He can't hardly move. And I look because of the faith he has in Christ, and I'm thinking, it's not going to be too many more days that you're going to get a new body. Man, we used to get all fired up as kids thinking, hey, guys, you're not going to believe it. You know the uniforms we wore for the last three years, the one in the holes all in the knees, and uh, uh, yeah, the, the armpits all pitted out in the jerseys, and we're getting new uniforms. And we'd be like, yes, yes, we're getting new uniforms. And I start contemplating from a godly perspective. I'm like, one day when I breathe my last, I'm getting a new uniform. But the one I get will never wear out. It won't be made of dust. It's going to be a glorified body. I'll never hurt. I'll never ache. I'll never have to have Hannah scratch my head to get some of the psoriasis and eczema and dandruff and all this other junk out of my scalp. I deal with it and I'm like, man, one day I'm going to have a glorified body. No more eczema, Aaron. We're going to be clean. We won't have to figure out some concoction of essential oils. Y'all don't believe this? Come on. Y'all believe what I'm saying? What do we gain? I'm like, I'm going to get a new body. My head will actually turn. My neck won't hurt me all the time. I'm telling you, I start to comb through this, and I'm like, I'm getting a new body. What else are you getting? Based on Scripture, I'm getting a new home. Barb and I are doing some renovation to our house right now. We've been in this house 20-plus years, and it's like, we're getting new cabinets, and we're getting new flooring, and we're getting... Can I tell you something? New cabinets, new flooring, everything I'm getting, (laughs) they're going to eventually leak. Shingles are going to get jacked up. I'm still going to hit a place in the floor that squeaks. Where I'm going one day, I'm getting a new home. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many rooms and many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you so, but I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you can be also. KV, I'm getting a new house one day, brother, one that will never break down. I'm reading Revelation 21. This is what he says. Talking about this new home. The wall was made of jasper. Oh, man, we used to do these Bible studies with athletes and entertainers, St. Ives and Country Club of the South and all the. Can I tell y'all something? I've been in a lot of cribs. I ain't ever been in a crib that had a jasper wall. Jasper wall. Listen to what he says. And the city was pure gold. This place I'm about to move into here in a few years It ain't Loganville, baby. 
I ain't seen no pure gold in Loganville. I'm talking pure. I ain't talking about 10 and 14 carat stuff. Pure gold? The whole city was pure, pure gold. The wall of the city was built on a foundation, stones inlaid with 12 gems. Listen to this. Jasper, sapphire, emerald, topaz, just to mention a few. The 12 gates into the city were made of pearls. Y'all get all fired up when you get a little pearl earring. I'm going home one day, and the doorway, I got 12 doors going over to my crib, all pearls. Pure gold, Mama Kay. I'm looking at it going, are you serious? The main street was pure gold. The city had no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city. The Lamb of God is its light. Nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, only those whose names are written in the book of life. You afraid of dying? No! Do you want to get dead today? No. I don't want to get dead today. I want to come about 320 off of that stinking par five for y'all today. Yes, that's what I want to do, which is exaggerated. That's Canadian. That's only about 250 American. But anyway, I want to hit it. I want to have fun. But I am pumped to know I'm going to get a new body. Julian got a new body. We saw his old body wear out. Homeboy is wearing a brand new uniform. He got a new home. He ain't living across the street in the hood. He's talking about golden streets today. What else are you going to get? Well, Paul would even say it this way, oh, you want to trip? Read verse 23 of Philippians 1. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I am hard pressed from both directions, meaning heaven and earth. Having the desire to depart to be with Jesus, that's much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for you. Check him out. I am hard-pressed to depart. The word depart there was a metaphor in the Greek of when a ship would raise up its anchor so that it could set sail. Paul goes, I'm hard-pressed, and I, I, I want to depart. I want to raise up anchor and go ahead and set sail to be with the king. See, as long as we're in this world, we're anchored to hurt. We're anchored to suffering. We're anchored to pain. We're anchored to all this stuff while we're in this world. But when he says, I want to depart, I want to raise up the anchor where I'm no longer held down so that I can set sail. Yes, that's what I want. But, but for your sake for now, it's probably advantageous that I stay here, that I keep representing the heart of heaven to you. But man, I want to depart. And I think the problem with most of us is that we don't want to depart. We, we want to anchor deep thinking this is all there is. If we can ever get to the point to say, to die is gain. You scared of it? No. What do you get? We gain a new promised inheritance when we get to the other side. I was doing study on this the last two days. Type in promised inheritance that we get in Christ. Honestly, this is a full week message that it would take me to unpackage how powerful this is. But when a person dies that is a believer in Christ's follower, they don't pass away. They pass into this promised inheritance in Christ. 
<laughs> Come on, Mike Esposito. Because here's the problem. Well, they just passed away. Passed away to what? He passed into a glorious home, a, a resurrected body, a promised inheritance. Where did he go? He didn't passed into what he had been longing for all of his life. Paul got the perspective. What else do you get? I get uninterrupted holy fellowship forever and ever and ever. I'm like, you get that? When I get to the other side, people there don't treat relationships as if they're disposable. They don't write you off when you struggle and say, well, I just ain't going to have anything to do with you. We live in a, a fallen world where relationships are treated as disposable. We don't dissolve relationships there. Here, here, we flush them down the drain. Here, mama's died and your spouse died and your baby died and your grandmama that you love so much, granddaddy died. I'm going to a place where there's uninterrupted fellowship, where there's no death, where there's no crying, where there's no sorrow, where every tear is going to be wiped away. That's where I'm going, Jeff. That's where I'm going. And that's the perspective as we think about why all this suffering? How do I deal with the difficulty of death? We've got to be able to land where we go, to die really is gain. If to die is gain, then I don't hold on to life like this. I hold on to life like this. You can take and you can give, but this ain't home for me. My name's written in the book. That's my true residence. If I get 70 to 80 here with my dash, so be it. I was doing all this research going, seriously? The average American male lives about 76 years. Female gets about 81. Really? Why does she get five more years? Because, man, we're ready to check out, dude. Let her stay here a little bit longer. No, but why does it work that way? I was looking at the numbers and all this stuff, and I'm like, that's about the average. (laughs) That's about the average. That's all we get. So I'm going to keep taking vitamins. I'm going to still get my blood done twice a year. I'm going to still get that done. Check my cholesterol, make sure. Just because to die is gain doesn't mean that I can eat whatever I want to eat and not take care of my body. I've been told to glorify God with my body. I've been bought with a price. So exercise and diet and nutrition and all that, take care of your body. But this ain't all. There is. Are you ready?